right, boys, welcome back to the pod. Got a uh, week three recap here. Once again, I'm uh, I'm hosting, but uh, I do have a different co-host for today. Joey had enough of my shenanigans, and so with me today, I've got Trent. How's it going? Going good, Aaron. Glad to be here. Wish Joey the best with his dog-sitting responsibilities. Uh, excited to talk about what happened in week three here in our league, and looking forward to week four. Hopefully the Titans didn't ruin it for everybody. Yeah, that's uh, definitely alarming, to say the least. Hopefully it's something they can isolate pretty quickly. I mean, it sounds like they caught the players you know, relatively quickly, and hopefully it doesn't mess up too much, although I'm not going to be expecting the Titans to play this week, if I'm being honest, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. For sure, for sure. So, real quick before we get into the, you know, the the recaps for this week, you know, as we reach each quarter mark of the year, I think I'm just going to kind of real quick run through where things are currently standing in the standings as um MFL, it's kind of a little tricky to see where things are at, so I'm just going to real quick run down 1 through 12 where we're at. First off, you got the three division winners, which are Devin's the 1 seed, you Trent are the 2 seed, and then Dan is now in third place and leads the central. And then from 4 to 12, you've got the Paladins in 4th, the Wendigos, and the Wildfire rounding out the wildcard teams. Then the Grovers, Clams, Hawks, Spiders, Sharks, and Retrievers are your teams that are currently out of the playoffs. So, still plenty of time in the year for those of you that aren't in the playoffs to, you know, find your way back in. Um, As long as you're not taking my spot, I'm cool with it. And one other thing to talk about before we get into this... um, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about that that huge trade that uh went down last week, you know, just I think it was Friday or Saturday before kickoff. And basically the trade boiled down to Saquon Barkley and Keelan Cole, as those were two combined deals. Saquon Barkley and Keelan Cole were sent to the Duckies in exchange for Cooper Cup, Austin Eckler, and Joey Bosa and Benny Snell. I think there was a couple small pieces on both sides, but that was the main deal. And so, uh, Trent, why don't you just kind of give your, uh, your quick hidden thoughts on that since, uh, since Barkley's a pretty, you know, huge name to uh, be moving teams here. Yeah, for sure. Um, you kind of hit the nail on the head with all the details, just a round three pick and a round six pick that were left out. You know, it was definitely interesting to see Barkley move. It kind of makes me wonder if, you know, the Grovers were giving up on him with him being out the rest of the year. I don't necessarily know how much I agree with it, but... If that's his personal choice, I still think Saquon is, you know, arguably a top three running back fantasy wise in the league. But it is uh, alarming that he can't really get the ball moving when he is healthy, due to that atrocious offensive line in New York. Um, and then you know Cooper Cup's been a stud all year, and Eckler is going to probably be back on the upside if Herbert's starting. Uh, you know Tyrod was maybe taking away some of those touches due to him using his legs or I'm sorry, receptions rather, due to Tyrod using his legs a lot more. All in all, I'm not a fan about moving Barkley, but I think the Grovers, you know, received some key pieces, and best of luck to everybody involved. Yeah, I think a thing to consider here in this trade is that Dylan, it's pretty clear, even though we're playing Dynasty, he is, you know, taking this like it's a redraft league. He just lost Barkley for the year. He already lost Marlon Mack for the year, and Dylan was, you know, in the championship last year and was only a couple points shy of winning, and so in his mind, he, uh, I guess, felt the need to put all his chips in this year. I mean, he's got Edelman, who's getting up there in age. He's got 
you know, Rodgers is having the best year of his, you know, recent career. And so I think it definitely makes sense to move Barkley in that sense. I, I definitely would have loved to have still had Barkley, but if you're trading him away, especially given that he's out for the whole year, I mean, you're getting a, you know, RB2, you know, top 15, 20 guy, as well as, you know, a pretty solid receiver you can plug and play every week. Factor that in uh, Joey Bosa as well is a you know, bit of an X factor in this deal. And I definitely think Dylan made the most of what he could, given that he just lost Saquon Barkley for the year. But definitely for Dan, it's also a great trade to uh, pick up arguably the best running back in the league. Um, I definitely agree that he's still uh, long term. He's top five for sure. Um, this year, obviously, he's out for the year, so he has to drop significantly. But I definitely think for a rebuilding team, this was a, a great deal to make. Uh, Solid on both sides, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's just all about personal wants at this point. I mean, every manager is going to be a little bit different. Just don't know if that Saquon Barkley reward will come back to haunt him or not. Yeah, this will be something we'll have to come back to uh, in a couple months and see, you know, if the Grovers, you know, make it far enough in the playoffs to uh, warrant the risk of losing Barkley. But we'll have to save that for another day. All right. And with that out of the way, we can just go ahead and hop into our first matchup of the day. And uh, Trent, you can go ahead and kick us off. Yeah, so we're going to be starting with my co-host Aaron, the Paladins, uh, going up against Jason and the Spiders this week. Uh, pretty good performance from both teams. Aaron scoring 224, Jason scoring 185. Uh, 185, I believe, will actually be the first team out of the top six as of right now. But it was... A valiant effort. A lot of people scoring that amount of points are getting wins weekly. So nothing to hang his head about. Uh, Aaron, your team obviously had a pretty solid week. Uh, looking at your running back position, 23, 15, and 12. Uh, Sanders struggled a little bit. And then you were pretty optimal there, um, with the exception of Jeffrey Wilson having a day in San Francisco. But start sit. No one's really going to beat you up for that one. So... Great production from the running back core. Um, probably the most solid we've seen them as a unit this year. Um, wide receiving as well. Had over 15 points from everybody except CD. And don't really think you left too many points on the bench. Um, obviously, Wilson went off, but we already talked about that. And maybe a, I think you had, what, one guy in your... Malcolm Jenkins may have outscored one guy in your secondary. So great, great um, start-sit decisions this week for the Paladins. And, you know, the Spiders just kind of can't really get the ball rolling in Houston with Deshaun Watson. Um, even though he's playing well at points, Houston, I feel, is just kind of a lost cause still. Uh, you, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, who their organization is going to continue to build around them and try to give them all the pieces to win. Uh, Deshaun Watson has not had a favorable schedule to start and also doesn't really have the tools around him that I believe he needs to succeed. Running backs, uh, Gurley and Henry both had a day, and Mark Ingram did not, only scoring three points. So four running backs versus three running backs, and Aaron still was able to muster up the most amount of points in that matchup. Looking forward into the season, I don't think Jason has too much to worry about. Um, like I said, this team just kind of had an average week versus an opponent in Aaron who had a great week. And he left, you know, not too many points on the bench either. Both pretty great start-sit ratios. Had his quarterbacks outscore 
Watson by a point, but no one's going to start Foles or Cousins uh, after Cousins had an atrocious week and Foles wasn't in the game until, I believe, halftime or second quarter. So, all in all, good week for Aaron and the Paladins securing two victories. Um, I believe you were... Were you high scorer this week? Yeah, you were high scorer this week. Yep. So, good performance from the Paladins. Spiders, nothing to hang your head about. Uh, kind of crappy that the points worked out the way they did, that the Spiders just missed the top six by a point. Um, so if you're the Spiders, maybe you're hoping that stack correction can get you to one and one this week. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, this week in particular, I feel like it's going to be a huge week in terms of the stack corrections. I mean, there's three matchups that are, you know, less than 10 points. And I can definitely see whether it's Dan and Ryan or yours and Cole's matchups, as we'll talk about in a little bit, or even, you know, the top six scores, I could definitely see a win being, you know, exchanged here and there. And, you know, maybe Jason gets a bit of a lucky draw and, you know, pulls into a 500 uh, week as he has the previous two weeks. But, but yeah, it's, I think it's really alarming. Uh, if I'm looking at Jason's team, uh, Mark Ingram, we were, you know, kind of all expecting with the J.K. Dobbins pick that, you know, Mark Ingram would start the season pretty hot, you know, pick up where he left off last year. And then as the year went on, you know, get J.K. Dobbins more involved and, you know, slowly transition into the uh, Dobbins led backfield. But not to say that Dobbins, you know, had a great game last week. I think he only had a handful of touches, might have been like five or six. But Mark Ingram just doesn't look particularly great and the Ravens have kind of struggled in the past two weeks I mean granted it was against the Chiefs but it's a little concerning to see that Ingram hasn't really been able to get off to a hot start especially for a you know contending team like Jason you know he's set up to win right now and then Todd Gurley if I'm being completely honest he looks a bit washed out there Um, I don't know how much of that game anyone caught but Brian Hill on that one touchdown run that he had just looked significantly faster than Todd Gurley has really at any point this season. And I just don't know how often the Falcons are going to, you know, get the ball in Todd Gurley's hands, just given that, you know, they're already owned three Dan Quinn's bound to get fired any week here. And, you know, maybe they look towards the future with Ito Smith, Brian Hill, Quadri Allison, maybe see what they have in those guys. I'm not sure. Maybe they ride Todd Gurley out for the year, but, those two in particular concern me. And then it was just unfortunate for Jason that Russell Gage uh, left pretty early on with a concussion. He was filling in for Julio Jones, who had a uh, hamstring injury, I believe. Kind of bad luck there. I'm sure that if Russell Gage played the whole week, that you know maybe Jason ends up in the top six. And the only other thing I'll say about his team is he did leave Brandon Graham and Shelby Harris uh, on the bench at defensive line, who both had 12.5 and, and 13 points, respectively. The Brandon Graham sits a little questionable given how terrible the Bengals offensive line has looked this year. But it's not like the players he played had bad weeks themselves. It just so happened that those bench guys did a little bit better. But as much as I enjoy seeing Jason lose this week, I'll hold it back and just say, you know, better weeks will come for you. You had a good week and it just so happened you went against the top scorer. Um, And then I don't really have anything to say about my team, just... Kind of unfortunate that Tariq Cohen is now done for the year. That kind of leaves me pretty thin uh, beyond those top three running backs. And uh, hopefully Mark Andrews can bounce back. It's much like Mark Ingram. Pretty bad, you know, back-to-back weeks. And 
there were several catches that Mark Andrews could have had, and he just, you know, wasn't able to make the catches. But thankfully for me, uh, I didn't need him this week. And hopefully, you know, he can bounce back in a week where I do need that uh, production coming out of him. Yeah, when Andrew shot that touchdown, I was that was kind of the not the icing on the cake, but you could just tell he was having a rough night. And uh, you already talked about it a little bit, but Julio Jones was out for Jason, so don't necessarily know if Ingram's going to be an everyday starter. I don't know too much about the Ravens as far as obviously not researching them daily, but it really surprised me actually, even with the Ingram Dobbins split, how much I don't know the exact carry number, but. Just watching the game last night, it seemed like Gus Edwards was involved a lot as well. So kind of just monitoring that Baltimore backfield. You know, Dobbins may not even be the guy either if all three guys are going to be in the offense at, you know, any point in the game. Dobbins had one carry, Edwards had four, and Ingram had seven. So it was just not a not a very uh, bountiful. You know, there weren't a ton of carries, but of the carries they had, it was it was pretty much just um, Ingram and Edwards getting the majority of the work. And Edwards is the one who had that really nice uh, run that got them uh, inside the five-yard line, I believe, at one point. Yeah, definitely a weird situation there for Baltimore running back. But if Julio Jones comes back, uh, like we both said, don't know if Ingram will be in there. And then we'll have to see what is Gage's, Russell Gage's injury. Is that is there any information on that out as of now as far as? I mean, it was just a concussion, so it's just kind of uh taking him through the protocol this week and seeing if he's able to suit up this uh, coming week or not. I think Atlanta should probably test Dan Quinn for a concussion too. So moving right along, we're going to be going to our next matchup uh, this week. The Denver Duckies, Dan, 186.92 to Ryan, the Omaha Hawks, 181.10. So, you know, we already talked about stat correction a little bit, but barring any miracles, Dan looks like he's going to secure two wins this week. And he had a pretty weird performance. Um, just looking at the running back core right away. Uh, Fournette kind of went back to the running back two role in Tampa. Um, you know, with Ronald Jones still being there. Looks like they're really believing in him. Uh, LaShawn McCoy being involved in the passing game. Don't necessarily know if Fournette's going to be a guy you want to start every week. Could be kind of a boomer busting moving forward. So three points from Fournette, six points from Gore, uh, two points from Jamal Williams, and then the saving grace, 38 points from Kamara. So anytime you can get 38 points from a running back, you're obviously going to have a great week. Um, the, the quarterback matchup was pretty fantastic as Mahomes had 44 for Ryan, but Drew Brees uh, kept it close with the 25. And Dan's receivers finally got the Justin Jefferson train rolling, 27 points. He looked great against Tennessee. I'm sure Aaron can talk a little bit more about how good he looked against Tennessee. Keenan Allen had a great week, you know, with the emergence of Justin Herbert. Is he going to, you know, become kind of the receiver that we know he can be and be the guy who's going to get you 15 to 25 every week? Ryan's lineup, wide receivers, got zero points from John Brown. Six points from Adam Humphreys, and his leading was 23 from Lazard. And Ridley and Sanders also in the teens. So once again, pretty close matchup. Ryan's been on kind of a hot streak, and I think his team kind of cooled down a little bit this week as he will be receiving two losses, um, and Dan will be receiving two wins. Doesn't look like there was too, much, too many points left on the bench for Dan. 
Um, the T Higgins, 18 points. Um, you know, he already had Justin Jefferson kind of starting, so maybe he didn't want to go two rookies, a pretty bad Cincinnati offense. And yeah, kind of it for start sit. Okuda had 12. So pretty optimal lineup for Dan, I would say, unless I'm missing something. And Ryan's team just kind of was average. I think this is kind of what you can expect from the Hawks when they don't play well. And in the 180 scoring, you know, 160, 170, 180 scoring range, not to take anything away from Ryan, but, you know, if Mahomes continues to play well, he's going to put up a lot of points, but the supporting cast has to follow. Um, Mike Davis got him some points as a starter, but we know that's not going to last when McCaffrey comes back and LaShawn McCoy just with the two catches and three points. So running back situation is kind of what we've been worried about every time we talk about Ryan. And, uh, you know, maybe he might look into starting Gus Edwards since he's been involved so much in that Baltimore offense like we just talked about last week. Yeah, uh, maybe I'm, you know, remembering incorrectly from last year, but I remember, you know, 180 points being like a benchmark. And if you hit that, you were typically in good shape to win any given week. And maybe it's a little bit, you know, overzealous to take this three week sample and kind of use that going forward. But 180 points was bottom four this week. Uh, most teams were in that 185 and above range. So it's a little concerning. You know, maybe the, uh, the level of play that your team's going to have to hit on a given week, you know, you have to expect a little bit more uh, going forward now that it uh, looks like on any given week, the, the fewest amount of points teams are scoring is in the 140 range as opposed to the like 110 to 115 we were seeing last year out of myself and the Tauntauns on a regular basis. But anyway, looking at the Hawks, I think one benefit or, you know, one advantage that this team typically has is at that head coach position with John Harbaugh. They typically win their games and they win by a lot. And so Ryan typically can, you know, bank on, you know, a solid, you know, seven point performance out of his head coach. Fortunately against the Chiefs, the Ravens have just not really been able to figure that team out in the past couple of years. And that led to a negative two point performance there. John Brown, I think he went out um, in the second quarter with a, a groin injury of some kind. And he, so, you know, no way for Ryan to predict that. Calvin Ridley, we saw him, you know, last week, me and Joey said how Julio Jones just serves the decoy and that lets Ridley ball out. But Julio wasn't out there Sunday and, you know, neither was Russell Gage. And yet Calvin Ridley still put up a hundred yard performance. Uh, I really think it's time we start giving this guy his dues. Um, I don't think he's top five, but he's probably in that top 10 in terms of, you know, fantasy value going forward. And that's definitely not something I was expecting to say, you know, just a couple months ago or even just, you know, a couple weeks ago. Looking at the rest of his roster, again, not a whole lot he could have done. Hopefully James White, you know, comes back to the lineup when he's ready, you know, after that tragic incident that happened to him and I do agree that I think Gus Edwards is probably a safer play than a LaShawn McCoy just you know going forward I think you can at least expect a handful of touches for Gus Edwards and that could give him a solid three four point floor any given week and then looking at the duckies Justin Jefferson just blew up against the Titans um he was really slow the first couple weeks and I think that a lot of people in the dynasty community were kind of writing him off too soon even though it was only two weeks and that whole Vikings team looked terrible. I saw people that were saying to trade 
Justin Jefferson for Paris Campbell, which to me was a little bit ridiculous. But here in a matchup that didn't even look that good on paper, Jefferson blew up. I think he had, what, a 71-yard touchdown? Um, and then just all game was pretty much the only receiver that was even uh, relevant in that game. Adam Thielen, I think, had like 30 yards, and no one else was any kind of factor. So I think Jefferson was a really, you know, under the radar pick by Dan in the rookie draft last or you know this summer and hopefully we see more performances like this and then just a solid game um from everyone else on his team you know Buda Baker putting up 10 points despite having the uh I think both of his hands were actually you know pretty banged up and he was having to get taped up pretty uh regularly throughout the game did get a zero point performance out of Tyrell Dodson uh but we talked about how weak Dan's linebacking core is and this is just what's going to happen with uh, when you're that weak at the position. You're going to have bad performances. Hopefully, he can find somebody on waiver wire to uh, buoy that position a little bit. But a solid week by the Duckies, solid week by the Hawks. And you know, this is a matchup that I think could definitely be swung given a uh, stat correction on uh, Thursday morning. Yeah, it's going to be close. Going to be interesting to see what happens to Ryan's lineup um, when. I mean, you just talked about Ridley. I think Ridley will be fine. Um, but this week, just looking at it, you know, he started Lazard, Ridley, and Sanders. Three guys that are all pretty much wide receiver twos that had their stars out this week and were able to get pretty decent numbers for the Hawks. So just monitoring when the starters come back healthy, what will their production look like? Obviously, Ridley's been doing it so far this season, and Matt Ryan and that Falcons offense. Uh, looks pretty good for three quarters every week. So hopefully um, he can get some production out of those two guys when the starters do come back. All righty, we're going to keep moving forward with our next matchup, the Atlanta Sharks Shabir taking down the Chesapeake Retrievers and Hunter this week by a score of 164 and 150. Don't necessarily know 14 points is going to be enough for stat correction to help the Retrievers here. Pretty... Lackluster performance from both teams as Jabir scored the third least amount of points this week. Just looking at his lineup, Burrow, even though the Bengals aren't winning games, Joe seems to be like a guy who is going to get a lot of passing attempts. You know, he had 44 this week. I believe he was in the 60s on Thursday night football. Um, So he's going to be out there slinging it. And Higgins looked good, as we talked about in the last matchup. Uh, The offense is going to score, hopefully for Jabir's sake but the defense is obviously Cincinnati's weakness right now but hoping he gets solid production out of Burrow moving forward get to the running backs Um, this is obviously a red flag Dobbins and Hines both getting six and eight points we've talked about the Ravens running back situation enough on this pod Hines uh, just still not really sure what that backfield looks like I mean Mac is gone for the season but still have the rookie Jonathan Taylor there. So Hines is, I think, going to be a guy who can perform better um, than eight points. He just kind of had a little bit of a slow slow week. Hopefully he can get some boom out of Hines. He played Chase Claypool this week, and he had one touch, one catch, I'm sorry. Almost had it for a touchdown. Actually really almost hurt the Steelers, almost fumbled it out of the front of the pylon and for a touchback in a crucial situation for the Steelers game. Um, if you guys didn't catch that. So Claypool was about a yard away from scoring a touchdown. I'm big on Claypool. I think he's one of the better wide receivers on the Steelers. 
Obviously, they have Juju. Um, just don't necessarily know if his deep ball threat is something that you can count on every week from a fantasy perspective. But I would really like to see Pittsburgh get him more involved, not just 40 yards down the field. Ingram at tight end and Higby, he doubled up on tight ends. Neither of them had a very great performance as Higby only had two catches for 40 yards and Ingram had three for 22. So tight ends that normally would be getting a little bit more production, but the Giants just kind of seem like a lost cause right now. And Higby should have a better week, um, but it is a little bit alarming that the Rams scored 32 points when they were pretty much throwing the whole game from a 29-point deficit and still only had two catches. So moving forward, I just don't really know about either of these teams. Um, although Jabir got the win this week, still kind of a rebuild for both at this point. Daniel Jones got him seven on the bench, so we just keep talking about how bad that New York team is, and I like Burrow. Wide receiver depth is going to be scary moving forward. Um, David Moore with less than zero points, and two guys on the bench, obviously. Well, Brown's out, so zero points from Brown, and Fitzgerald with one catch for zero yards. Tyler Lockett absolutely popped off for this team, which is kind of what got him the win, in my opinion. Uh, 32 points from Lockett, and then just a total of 14 points from the other three receivers. Yeah, this was um not the the highest scoring bout to say the least. This is you know kind of the the luck of the draw with the head to head matchups that Ryan or Jason got to face either of these teams. They'd be walking away with a victory, but instead are now coming away with an 0 and 2 week. Joe Burrow, I was really big on the Cincinnati uh, passing offense this off season. That's why I tried to get Tyler Boyd uh, in every league I could and kept him in this league because last year the Bengals threw the ball a ton and that was with Andy Dalton. And now they have, in my opinion, a legit QB in Joe Burrow. Obviously the O-line is still terrible and, you know, that's going to be something I have to work on in the coming years. But Burrow's balling out. He's looking more and more poised every week. And so I definitely think that as the year goes along, Burrow is a perfect piece for the Sharks, who, as you said, they are rebuilding, even though they did pick up a win here this week. It's a little unrealistic for Jabir to get too excited about this win. You know, take him while you can get him, I guess. But I'd still be looking to the future if I was Jabir. Um, and then Chase Claypool, uh, you're going to be the only person that, you know, understands where I'm coming from on this. But the connection that Big Ben and Chase Claypool have uh, remind me a lot of uh, Saeed Blacknall at Penn State with Chase McSorley he'd only get you know one to three targets a game but they were always like whenever the the Nittany Lions were going for a deep bomb attempt it was going to Blacknall in those you know 2016-2017 years and when the Steelers are going for those deep bomb attempts uh, Big Ben trusts Chase Claypool uh, I know there was a long pass attempt where it was one-on-one with uh, Bradley Roby I believe and Roby committed a DPI and Claypool doesn't get, you know, stats for that, but that just, you know, week after week, Big Ben is trusting Chase Claypool in those, you know, deep ball situations. Some weeks they're going to hit, some weeks you're going to have a performance like today with a 1.9 performance, but we yeah, have Tyler Lockett. I think he's been underrated for years, having him and AJ Brown and uh, maybe having Chase Claypool develop in the coming weeks. Uh, it's a nice little trio there uh, looking towards the future. And then looking at the Retrievers, it's kind of a team that's in a sticky spot at the moment. I mean, he was kind of handicapping himself in a sense by starting both Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. 
as you were really kind of only realistically expecting one of them to do well. But given his options on the bench right now, if McCaffrey hurt, uh, that did kind of make the most sense to uh, start both of them. And Henderson has looked really good now in back-to-back weeks. Although, you know, week one, it was Malcolm Brown who looked really good. And last week, Cam Akers had a pretty good week. So it's, you know, maybe something to look at there. You know, every week, it seems like it's a different guy who's the main guy in that backfield. So, but after two weeks of Henderson, maybe they start to lean on him a little bit more until Cam Akers is, you know, fully healthy. And then Mikko Hardman, he looked really good on, you know, Monday night. He had that long touchdown reception and he was open, I I think, a decent bit more than his stat line shows. He was only targeted, I think, five times, but made the most of those opportunities. Deontay Johnson, just another receiver who left really early on with a concussion. So not really anything he could have done about that. I think at this point, the retrievers might have to look to move on from Javon Hargreave. I mean, I know that this team is looking to rebuild, but Hargrave's a guy who hasn't scored a point yet this season. I mean, he's been active in all the games, but he just hasn't recorded any stats, and that's kind of what you would expect out of a uh, an interior defensive lineman who's not, you know, a pass rusher like an Aaron Donald type. So I think it might be time to move on from Javon Hargrave, look for you know a young guy in free agency, and this team actually just moved Emmanuel Ogba as well for a six-round pick. So he's pretty weak at defensive end at the moment. Hopefully that's something he can you know kind of look to improve on, especially because he doesn't have any backups at the position. But yeah, all in all, you know, two teams that are looking towards the future. They face off twice a year as a uh, interdivision rivals, and Jabir did what he had to do to pick up the W this week. Moving on to our fourth matchup of the week, we had the Metropolis Magicians going head-to-head with the Pine Grove Grovers, uh, two of the top title contenders this year, and it was the Magicians coming away with a victory in a score of basically 200 to 193. Uh, This is a matchup that could be affected by stat corrections, but given that it's seven points, it's going to take a big jump for the Grovers to end up taking the uh, Magicians down this week. Looking at Devin's lineup, um, Dak Prescott... Looked really good in that shootout, although I think it was kind of really questionable that when you have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb, and Ezekiel Elliott as primary options, when the game mattered the most, you were heavily targeting Cedric Wilson. Um, I'm not really sure about that play calling or the decision-making by Dak. I think maybe if they threw to one of those you know, better receivers, maybe they would have scored at the end of that game. Running back, Chris Carson got hurt. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. I think it was a little bit of a cheap hit, a dirty, uh, the player looked to try to bend his ankle or bend his knee. I don't know if you saw that, but it was definitely kind of some Bush League play, but thankfully it doesn't look like Carson's going to be out for too long, if at all. I think they're waiting on MRI results just to confirm that. And then Dalvin Cook was really the, I mean, I know we talked about Jefferson having a great game, but outside of him, the passing offense didn't do much of anything, and it was Dalvin Cook who really kind of dominated this week uh, as he went for 181 on 22 carries. All in all, solid production from the running backs. You'd expect a little more out of Josh Jacobs, but I mean, he got you 7.8. It's definitely nothing to scoff at if that's, you know, his worst performance of the year. Looking at receiver, we talked about it last week, you know, the Browns offense. Jarvis Landry wasn't the guy this week, only had four receptions for 36 yards. It was nice to see Kenny Galladay back out there. Had that nice uh, go up and grab it touchdown 
to go along with the 6 for 57 uh, stat line, going for 14.7 on the week. And Stephon Diggs kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, he was red hot the first two weeks, only went 4 for 49 on Sunday, but did have a four-yard touchdown to salvage his day from a fantasy perspective. No fan. I was expecting a little bit more out of him coming off of a uh, Cortland Sutton tearing his ACL, but with Jeff Driscoll, I guess that's really kind of out of fans' control. Maybe, uh, maybe Brett Ripien gives him something different, um, not necessarily something better, but something else for Noah Fant. And then, really good performance on the entire defensive side of the ball, especially out of Chris Jones and Jonathan Allen, who both put up double digits. Got the big goose egg from Dante Fowler, but when the rest of your team does well, can't really complain too much about one little goose egg. And then looking at the Grovers, 192, that was still good enough to get Dylan in the top six. Hopefully, you know, he can stay there given stat corrections. We'll just have to wait and see on that. He wasted no time in starting Austin Eckler and Cooper Cup, and they did not disappoint as they combined for, what is that, 47 points? Out of two players, that is really good production. Probably better than Dylan was expecting, you know, coming off just, you know, losing Saquon Barkley. And then Ezekiel Elliott was pretty inefficient, I would say. He only had 34 yards on 14 rushes. Did get that goal line touchdown to save his day from a fantasy perspective. And then Mike Evans, I'd be pretty mad if I was Devin, to be honest. I mean, I know it didn't cost me the win, but Mike Evans only had two receptions and they only went for two yards. But they were both one-yard touchdowns, and so Mike Evans gets bailed out with a 13-point performance. Definitely would have been a, a, a tilter if that was you know the reason Devin lost. And then kind of same thing on the defensive side. Um, no real stinkers. I mean, Jamal Adams, I think he got hurt as well, and so that's why he only put up two points on the week. But Yannick Ngakwe started to you know get the ball rolling. Blake Martinez racking up tackles as he usually does. And yeah, just an... All around really good performance from both teams. Uh, just somebody had to lose the head-to-head this week and end up being Dylan. Yeah, not even much to add to that, Aaron. Um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about Mike Evans. Seems fitting. Um, for the Grovers, Chris Godwin's most likely going to be out, you know, two to three weeks, according to some of these reports that are coming out. So I think Evans will continue to be solid for that wide receiving core. The fact that he had two catches uh, for two touchdowns, Pretty ridiculous stat, but Brady post game kind of went on a little bit of a tangent about how he needs to get Mike more involved. And with Godwin being out, I think Evans will be the one that kind of continues to carry this receiving core as alongside Cup. Um, great trade for Cup, but the Rams wide receivers kind of still scare me a little bit just because there's a ton of them and you have Higby at the wide receiver position, or I'm sorry, at the tight end position, who's also going to be taking targets. Um, the Magicians had a great, great game, 199 points, a little bit like you already talked about. Kind of going to be interesting to see what comes out of the Chris Carson deal. And I don't know if it's just me, probably is just me. I'm actually kind of freaking out over Josh Jacobs a little bit more than other people are. Um, I mean, granted, the Patriots are a good team, and I'm sure Belichick had a great uh, game plan, but he did fumble. And, you know, the 71 yards on 16 carries, not very efficient. And only getting three catches out of the backfield. Not that he's a huge PPR monster, but you would like to see more from tier running back like that. 
And Noah Fant, I think, will continue to rise at the tight end position for the Magicians, um, no matter who the quarterback is. Reason being, the offensive line for the Broncos can't block, so the quarterback is going to need to get the ball out quick to their big safety blanket. So not too much worried about Fant's performance, as it was, I guess, a, a tough matchup. I don't know if I'm going to give Tampa Bay's defense that much credit yet, even though I'm a fan. Uh, but not too much story about from either team. If I'm Devin, I'm kind of monitoring that Josh Jacobs situation. Go to see what Chris Carson's report is. And, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise. He might have to start Rex Burkhead, who went off for 31 points this week and kind of seemed to be the catalyst for that offense. Cam Newton's guy. Uh, Sonny Michelle had a pretty decent game as well. But New England Patriots running back might uh, might have figured itself out this week. So we shall see moving forward. I think Devin's running back situation is going to be a fun one to monitor. Yeah, looking at Josh Jacobs, I think part of what happened on Sunday, since he was so heavily involved week two, and I think there was at least two or three times where he had to come out of the game and stretch on the sideline and get worked on to you know go back out there. It might have just been that he was still pretty bruised and uh, banged up from week two, and so he just wasn't quite as efficient uh, this week. Um, same thing with Darren Waller, who we didn't actually talk about at all. He was pretty much a non-factor in this game, um, but he was another guy who was so crazily involved in week two that, uh, and I think he actually did come out at one point as well for an injury in week two. So maybe those guys just kind of needed a bit of a uh, bit of an off week uh, to kind of recover a little bit, you know, not be as involved. We'll have to see if uh, Jacobs can put together a better performance next week, or if uh, or if these inefficiencies are something we might be seeing, you know, every now and then this year. Yeah, for sure. And the Grovers, Aaron Rodgers is looking like an absolute stud. Um, you know, wasn't really hyped up going into the year from a lot of the media and you know fantasy boards, but I still think even without Devonte Adams, who should probably be back this week, um, that. Packers offense is no joke at the moment. Coming in for our second to last game of the week, we had the Winnipeg Wendigos uh, taking down the Boston Clams by a score of 205 to 161. For a good while there, uh, Nick was leading the, the league in scoring for the week, but I don't think he had anyone playing on Sunday or Monday night, and so he kind of just fizzled out. Still can't complain about a 200 point performance at all. Once again, Russell Wilson. I talked about it earlier with Tyler Lockett. Pete Carroll's finally taken off the uh, the handcuffs, if you will, and he is, you know, quite simply looking like the best quarterback in the league. I mean, I'd still take Pat Mahomes over him, but after him, it might be Russell Wilson at number two right now. I mean, fifteen touchdowns in three weeks, I believe, just kind of insane production, to be honest. Uh, won't touch on that too much more. James Robinson, this might be. We talked about it last week. Just a diamond in the rough. He put the big bid in waiver dollars, and so far it's panned out, you know, tenfold. I think at this point to acquire James Robinson would cost like maybe a second round pick. And if I'm Nick, I don't think I would accept that deal, to be honest. Just I would ride it out, wait and see if Robinson can continue to improve week in, week out. Jarek McKinnon filling in for the injured 49ers backfield of Raheem Moser and Tevin Coleman. Didn't do incredibly well, but he did have a uh, receiving touchdown as well as a couple dump-off receptions to put up a solid 15 points on the week. And then at receiver, 
Michael Gallup, really good week. I do think that he should have been a little bit more involved given that he was doing so well, but Dak Prescott clearly like Cedric Wilson more. Preston Williams kind of got bailed out by a three-yard goal line touchdown, but nothing else too crazy to talk about at the receiver position. And then solid production on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he didn't get anything out of Jordan Fuller after I talked him up last week, but all in all, solid performance from the Wendigos. And again, if you're scoring 200 points, you're probably not losing. So I won't say too much more about them. And then looking at the clans, at this point, I I know I was talking about how Russell Wilson has blown up. Josh Allen might be the biggest surprise at the QB position. And at this point, it's kind of crazy to say, given that he has Kyler Murray. But at this point, I don't know if Joey can go another week without starting Josh Allen just because he's been balling out in terms of fantasy. I mean, he still has his erratic throws here and there. But, I mean, I think this is three weeks in a row of putting up 30-plus points. And I just don't think you can kind of leave that production on the bench. So if something to monitor, maybe Joey needs to look to either sell high on Josh Allen or you know cash out on the uh, the name value of Kyler Murray. Um, definitely a big decision there. Only went with the two running backs. Neither of them had a great performance, uh, nor did anybody in the receiving uh, you know, stable. Juju had a touchdown, but not much outside of that for anybody there. An okay week on the defensive side, really buoyed by Derek Barnett and Miles Garrett. Uh, both putting up double-digit performances, and really wasn't anything Joey left on the bench. So he did what he could, and I think in a you know an average week, 160 would be enough to keep him hanging in the uh, the the week. But given that he went against Nick, who just had a 200-point performance, uh, it just wasn't enough to get the job done this week. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is I agree with you 110% about the testament to Joey and Josh Allen. Um, I don't know if Joey is kind of just keeping Murray in there because it might be a little bit better for what he's trying to do as a team. Um, But the Josh Allen numbers, you know, he has fumbled the ball, I believe, two or three times already this season. So that is something that is a little bit, I guess, questionable. But I feel like with running quarterbacks, that's kind of the trade-off. Um, but, you know, like we said earlier about Russell Wilson, um, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen could also kind of be in this MVP debate. He's had over 300 yards in every game, over three touchdowns in every game, um, over 30 points fantasy-wise in every game. So don't know if uh, the Rams' defense may have – scared Joey out of starting him or if he just wanted to ride the Murray wave and see what it could get done against the Lions but yeah if I'm Joey I think it's time to start Josh Allen and pull Kyler um, after Kyler threw three interceptions this week I think as much as I love Kyler um, you know he's not going to be the guy who is going to get the four or five touchdown passing performances he's just kind of going to be the game manager and get you points with his legs but Allen can also get you points with his legs. So I like that a lot moving forward. If Allen be in the starting position for Joey, like I said, don't know what his, um, which way he's trying to trend. Well, I do know which way he's trying to trend, but for matchup purposes, I think Josh Allen's the one. Uh, Nick, not going to say too much about his team other than great win, Nick. And James Robinson was obviously a steal. 
And McKinnon, I think, is going to continue to get that solid workload until Mostert returns. Josh Kelly for the Chargers, not my favorite start, not my favorite pick, um, you know, with Eckler being there. But looking at what he has to offer at running back on the bench, um, can't really blame him for starting Kelly. Maybe you give the nod to Howard next time. But he's also Howard's been also pretty awful this year and just very touchdown dependent. So good win for Nick. Um, Joey continues to not really get too much out of Darius Slayton, DJ Moore, Nikhil Harry, and Mike Williams. Um, Juju's obviously having a pretty solid year. Had kind of a down week, I guess. Still caught a touchdown, but only 43 yards. All in all, great performance by the Wendigos. And I uh, think, Joey, it may be time to make a quarterback change. 14 points from Kyle Shanahan. That was a pretty great performance. I would imagine that was leading head coaches for the week. And uh, he's pretty set there. So as long as San Frank can get the guys back healthy, he should continue to get some points from Kyle. All right. And wrapping us up here, we had to save the best for last as we had our, our other co-hosts here, Trent, the high tide squeaking out a victory over the previously undefeated wildfire of by a score of 186 to 184. This is certainly a matchup that could be, you know, swung one way or another in terms of uh, stack corrections, both in terms of the head to head performance, as well as the, uh, the top six scores on the week. Um, Trent could, potentially go from a 2-0 week to an 0-2. Um, not wishing that on him, but just something that could happen. I don't want to jinx it or anything. Looking at his team, you know, Matt Ryan had an okay week, only put up 11 points. That Falcons offense just, again, did not look particularly good outside of Calvin Ridley. Uh, we've already touched on that, though. Uh, James Conner, you know, he had a really bad week one, but this is now two back-to-back weeks where he's put up you know, over 100 yards and had that nice rushing touchdown. Props you for not uh, panic selling him after you acquired him for uh, Mikkel Hardman, I believe. Or no, it was... It was uh, Hardman, in a, Hardman in a second. Yeah, that's what it was. So outside of him, solid performances from Devin Singletary, who kind of took advantage of Zach Moss being out for the week. David Johnson did not do much of anything on the ground, but he was another guy who was bailed out by a goal line touchdown. And then Ronald Jones, now I'm going to talk about him. <laughs> uh, Chris Godwin, we already talked about how he has that, uh, that hamstring injury. Prior to that, he was able to put up a solid 15 points for you. Hopefully he's not out for too long because Godwin is one of my favorite receivers in the league. And he already missed one week with a concussion. And then DK Metcalf, I'm sure you were probably tilting pretty hard. He had that easy touchdown and then had the ball, you know, knocked out as he was running into the end zone. That's a, that's a pretty massive, you know, six point swing. Uh, if he makes that catch, you're all of a sudden in, you know, safe from sack corrections, but still that's three weeks in a row now where Metcalf's not exactly getting a ton of volume, but he's making the most of it and putting up big performances. And then Travis Kelsey, you're getting double digit points from him just about every single week. Nothing to complain about. And then on the defensive side, Jordan Poyer putting up pretty good 12 points. Carlos Dunlap, I think it was last week I talked about him, how he needed to step up. And clearly he listens to the podcast as he came out with uh, nine tackles yeah. for an 11-point performance. And uh, just all performances from pretty much everybody outside of Everson Griffin. I don't think there was anybody 
you really could have subbed in. I mean, I guess Sheldon Richardson, who you had just picked up off of waivers, might have been a better uh, better start. But obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, and yeah, pretty good performance by the the high tide this week. And then looking at the wildfire, uh, Cole's already you know made this aware to me, so I don't feel any kind of you know uh, sympathy. I'm just gonna put it out there. He planned on starting Hayden Hurst. I guess he was uh he forgot to switch him out, and he left Dallas Goddard in, who got hurt after one reception. And Hayden Hurst, while he did also only have one reception, his ended up being for a touchdown. I think it was only a one yard touchdown. Yeah. And while that's still nothing to write home about, that would have been enough to get Cole two and zero for the week. So Cole, you know, kind of has to you know do some self reflecting. You know, making sure to adjust those lineups at twelve forty five if you have any kind of doubts about you know your players on the week. I'm looking at the rest of his lineup. Lamar Jackson. This is now three week or three performances against the Chiefs where he just hasn't looked particularly good, and they haven't won any of the matchups. Another, you know, kind of down week from him, uh, but we expect better performances going forward. I'm not too worried about him long term. I've already ragged on Joe Mixon enough throughout all the week, so I'm just going to skip right past him and just solid performances from Taylor and Jones. And I guess the one guy I want to talk about a receiver is Terry McLaurin. I'm not on board with the, the football team benching Dwayne Haskins because I don't really think there's any point to bring in Alex Smith, but... It's very concerning that Terry McLaurin, I mean, he's had good performances in all three weeks, but Dwayne Haskins just looks terrible out there. I think he, McLaurin could have had a deep touchdown, but Dwayne Haskins overthrew him by like 10 or 15 yards at one point. He just does not look good out there, and Terry McLaurin is kind of the, uh, you know, the negative benefactor of that. I hope Dwayne Haskins can turn it around, but if not, maybe, maybe Alex Smith is a guy who if he's healthy, maybe needs to get put in there or even Kyle Allen. I don't think he was very good last year, but you know, what do you have to lose if you're the, uh, the football team at this point, big performances from several defenders, uh, Aaron Donald putting up 17 and a half. I know Cole's now and then had buyer's remorse about that pick in the startup, but this week it definitely panned out for him. And then just another good performance from Jeremy Chin, the, uh, the box safety in Carolina and yeah, just, Again, average. I mean, if this is your worst performance for the uh, the wildfire, you're putting up 184, and potentially could still come away with a two and zero performance. Uh, I'd be feeling pretty good if I was Cole. Yeah, so I don't want to talk too much about who won this and who lost this because um, obvious reasons. But performance wise, I was uh, I guess I can just start with my team. I was very satisfied with the running backs finally kind of coming together. And although Ronald didn't have 10, um, David had 11. David Johnson, that is, had 11. Connor had 22, as we talked about, and Singletary had 14. So if I can continue that four running back core and gets me, you know, 40 to 50 points, so be it. Um, that would be pretty ideal. Chris Godwin is going to be out for a couple of weeks, so Devontae Adams will hopefully be back. Kind of sucks because those are kind of my bread and butter, one and two wide receivers, and I've only had one week being week one where I've got to start them at the same time. And I'm pretty thin at wide receiver when it comes to the bench. So hopefully KJ Hamler can kind of step up and maybe become my wide receiver four because I'm rocking with the four running backs for now. And as I mentioned earlier, 
the Tampa Bay backfield is a mess. Although I've been kind of riding this Ronald Jones wave and I don't dislike him as much as Aaron does. He's still not kind of the guy I want there. Uh, looking at Cole's team came down to a pretty, uh, pretty big Monday night game as he had Tyree kill Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown as well as, uh, I believe, one guy on the defense. Yeah, Chuck Clark. So I was, I think, up, you know, I, I don't remember exactly, but it, it was something in the 30 to, it was in the 30-point range, 30 to 40-point range. Lamar had 14, so I lucked out. Marquise Brown only had the two catches for 13 yards, and Tyreek Hill was pretty much the one that was killing me all night. Uh, as he had one touchdown, the two catches or the five catches for seventy-seven yards and the touchdown, as well as uh, popped off for two pretty big runs. So really, this game kind of came down to the fourth quarter. I'm sure Cole doesn't want to relive it, but Travis Kelsey had, you know, I think like that big catch on third down to kind of seal the game, and it was you know probably a catch for like seven or eight yards or even a little bit more, but gave me those two or three points of cushion because at one point this was a one point game. So that's kind of what it came down to. I had very unlucky. Uh, Legereus Sneed gave him the start in my cornerback position. He dropped an interception. So only ended up having one point uh, looking forward. I might have to start Adderley. Uh, just picked him up off of waivers. I actually drafted him last year and he's been kind of having a, a slow year, but got back into the swing of things last week against the Panthers. And I guess really, if I lose this game, you know, I'm going to be very upset at DK Metcalf for uh, not being aware of his surroundings, but he did make up for it and at least get one. And this is, I'm pretty sure, the first week that I didn't start Bill Belichick in the history of the league and uh, kind of burned me. I got a little cheeky and tried to go with Kingsbury, thought, you know, they were not going to have trouble with Detroit and kind of thought the Raiders were going to give New England a little bit more of a of a contest than they did after looking pretty good against the Saints the prior week. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure in any fantasy matchup, you can come back and look at, oh, well, I should have, you know, as Aaron mentioned, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, yeah, definitely going to be looking at those two plays. The Belichick start and the Metcalf touchdown are definitely going to haunt me if this swings the wrong way. But uh, going 2-0 and against Cole would obviously be huge uh, for me and the division. And uh, just getting to talk shit on Cole is always a plus. So, yeah, that's kind of all I really have to say about that. Just kind of crossing my fingers, and I'm going to be sweating until Thursday. Yeah, no, I'm definitely uh, definitely right there with you, hoping that uh, Cole doesn't come out on top this week. I think the hill is a little easier for me to climb if uh, he's not 6-0. I think even though you did beat me head-to-head week one, uh, it's a little bit better for me if Cole loses this week. Um, but yeah, it's a really close contest so far in the year. I think there's four teams, or well, in addition to the three division leaders, there's four teams that have uh, four wins. So currently, there's one of those teams that are four and two are bounced from the playoffs. Uh, currently, it's Dylan. We'll see if that uh, changes over the coming weeks, but definitely was a, a great week. Another high score bout um, for multiple teams this week. You know, Hunter and uh, Jabir's side. But yeah, that is going to wrap us up here. Uh, I'm all set to go. You got anything else, Trent? I don't think so. Just uh, keep an eye on the action until Thursday when we get those final scores posted through the site. 
help make a little more sense of all this madness we just talked about. But uh, I'm good. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, hoping for the best. Uh, I mean, I'm good with the stat corrections. So, uh, so yeah, we'll be uh, seeing you guys. Uh, good luck next week. Take care, guys. Keep music. Mm-hmm.